Hello, welcome to a new episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Uh, this is going to be this is the first podcast of 2024, so I'm going to say Happy New Year to to listeners. As is Andrew Daly, who is in the hot seat again today. Hello, Andrew. Good afternoon, Bruce, and Happy New Year. Yeah, we were just discussing. Me and Andrew were just discussing at what point you have to stop saying Happy New Year, and Andrew made a brilliant point that the other day someone said Happy New Year to him and they were kind of like, oh, yeah, Happy New Year. Well, yeah, I suppose I thought I'd done all my Happy New Years. And the individual said, said to you, didn't he, Andrew? Um, yeah, but I haven't seen you yet yep. to say Happy New Year. <laughs> to which, Andrew, quite rightly, it, quite rightly, I believe, Andrew, you said, yeah, but what if I didn't see you until like July, which is still so Happy New Year? <laughs> And so I think we need to, there needs to be some sort of a um uh, a a sort of governmental edict I think on when you you no longer have to say happy new year that's, that's what I, I I think probably the end of the second week in January when everyone's back from Christmas probably when it's acceptable yeah I mean if you're I think that's probably right isn't it I think I think you just you you're past the new year thing by then aren't you definitely um so, Andrew, the reason why we obviously do these regular catch-ups with you, and the one we're doing today is going to be fashioned around the fact that you did two sessions at the Winter Conference. One was uh, the main session one, um, large auditorium, so everyone was packed in there to listen to you. Um, but then there was also like a, a session in one of the um, breakout rooms that you did, which was very over-subscribed. Uh, and uh, I remember walking past them and literally, you know, the standing room only, you know, people were hanging off the light fittings. <laughs> there was people with cups up against the door trying to listen. <laughs> I think people had scaled the building. They'd, sc- they'd scaled Manchester well, I, Central. I, I, I remember security <laughs> not being happy. There's <laughs> <laughs> too many people in this room. So what we thought we would do is for your um, first visit of us for the year, what there will be, many more to come is just to really sort of uh, do a little bracey of, of uh, what was covered there for people who are unfortunate enough to miss it or bits of it, etc. Yeah. And well, I, I think, I think it, it is worth, it's worth obviously starting with the obvious position. We're now in January, 2024. Uh, it is the year of procurement. It's the year. Mm-hmm. Everything is it's going a big to year, isn't it? Um, yeah, the the year for procurement. I know every year is for procurement, but this year particularly. Yeah, this um, is the year of change and hopefully not too much tumult. <laughs> uh, but the first change has happened. Mm. Uh, well, the first two changes have happened. So we've got the new thresholds from the first of um, January. They uh, now apply for processes under the PCR, uh, and um, so that they're they're small changes. And I covered that on the main session at, in, in in HSA, but. The, the breakout session, um, which, uh, as you kindly put, was quite um, <laughs> well attended mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and people uh, did miss out, was on the provider selection regime. And that is now in force mm-hmm. and it's been in force since the 1st of January. Mm-hmm. And um, that is the new regime that applies when relevant authorities. So that is NHS England, trusts, foundation trusts, ICBs, local authorities or combined authorities are procuring relevant healthcare services 
as defined by the PSR regulations. And if those services are now being procured, the provider selection regime applies, not to the public contracts regulations. Okay, so that was your sort of start to 10 on it. Um, so what can we say about that right now for, for members? Well, I, th I think the, the, the important thing to note is that um, before, um, before Christmas, at the end of uh, 2023, NHS England published its draft statutory guidance, its draft toolkits, um, and um, everything was in draft. Mm. The regulations um, received um, parliamentary approval um, just after, um, well, they, they received parliamentary approval during conference, but mm -hmm. they were published uh, in their final form um, in uh, December 2023. And on the 2nd of January, because uh, NHS England assumed uh, no one in procurement would be working on the 1st, um, the um, NHS England published the final version of the statutory guidance and the final version of its toolkits to um, reflect what was in the regulations and what is now in force. Um, yeah. Now, I, I could plug you to our, our website because there's a, there's a summary that was published on the 2nd which sets all of this out. Um, but what um, is important to look at, and I can't stress this enough, is what is in the final guidance not what is in the draft guidance. And if you have a look at the guidance that's been published by NHS England on the 2nd, you will see at the start of the guidance, there's a section that sets out what has changed from the draft guidance that was published. Um, so this will impact you, whether or not you came to one of our uh, webinars, whether or not you came to one of the uh, NHS England roadshows, or whether or not you went to another firm's webinar, mm -hmm. um, the information that they would have been presenting on before the 2nd of January is different, only slightly, but different mm. to that which has published and has come out. And that is particularly in the, uh, in the um, uh, relating to the standstill period and how you calculate when the standstill period runs for the PSR. Um, so I think that, that that's the, the important thing to say. And I think... The other thing to really stress, and this is aimed primarily at, obviously, the audience of this podcast, so um, trusts and foundation trusts, when you are um, looking at the PSR, there is a lot of suggestion out there that the PSR doesn't apply to trusts. So um, I've had a number of queries so far in 2024 from trusts asking how it applies to them. And there are some who are suggesting, I've heard this doesn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. Well, it does. <laughs> um, and what, what you have is a situation where if you, as a foundation trust or a trust, are um, procuring healthcare services, then you need to follow the PSR. It is also the case that if you are subcontracting any of your services that you have been contracted to provide by an ICB or NHS England, and the services you are subcontracting are caught by the provider selection regime, so they're relevant healthcare services, then you are required to uh, uh, comply with the PSR when determining how to subcontract those services. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of I think um, 
I'm not going to say confusion, but there's, there's, there's some question marks out there as to how this applies because a lot of the roadshows were aimed at ICBs and NHS England. Mm-hmm. Less were aimed at uh, trusts and uh, foundation trusts. Um, but if you are commissioning healthcare services, the PSR applies. And um, if you are subcontracting healthcare services, then the PSR applies. Right. A very, very important point. Um, yeah, I think I heard, I heard murmurings of that myself about, you know, how it applies to trusts, etc. So, yeah, a very important point there to make sure that people aren't just letting that pass them by. Yeah, and I, th- I think the, 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 other, the other key thing to say is that unless your process had commenced before the 1st of January... Mm-hmm. The PSR now applies, yeah. So you don't need to worry about the PCR. If your process had commenced before the first of January, then um, you will continue to award that contract under the PCR, unless you decide to abandon and run a uh, new procurement under the PSR. That's a different issue that mm-hmm. you need specific advice on, um, as per the NHS England guidance, and. Um, if you are, but if you're varying a contract, irrespective of when that contract was entered into, if that contract is for relevant healthcare services, you need to vary that contract now under the provider selection regime, not the public contracts regulations. So there's there's a lot to get your head around yeah. as to what this means for you on a day to day basis. But um, the 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 real the real key the real key date is the first of january so if your process was before then you carry on with that unless you do something different if you're starting now then you are awarding a contract under the provider selection regime and if you're varying any contract that's caught by the psr you need to apply the psr so that's different than looking at your regulation 72 position that you you currently did okay really important obviously very important point there um what else do, do they need to be aware of A lot of of the questions we're getting asked are, is my service caught by the PSR or the PCR? And I think that that is a fact-specific question Mm. which needs to be looked at on a case-by-case basis. So now, if you were a uh, a foundation trust and you're in the procurement team, you're thinking about, well, I've got to procure a healthcare service, you should be... um, under the um, before the first of January, you should have been looking at what the CPV code was, whether or not that was a service or a supply, and then if it was a service, whether or not that was caught by the right touch regime or not. You have similar tech considerations that you need to be thinking about under the the PSR because the PSR who was caught by it is defined, and that was also by reference to CPV codes. So you need to look at your CPV code. You need to um, classify your contracts and see whether or not it fits within the right, under the provider selection regime or the right touch regime or the public contracts regulations more uh, generally. And then you need to run your processes as required. So it, it's not necessarily a one size fits all. It will depend on your service. The other thing I think really to stress is um, the PSR caters for a scenario where the contract covers both PSR court services and non-PSR court services or PSR services and goods. And there is a test in Regulation 3 that deals with mixed procurement. 
as to which, then determining um, which um, which regime applies, and then you obviously need to follow that regime. Okay. Sorry, do you think, sorry, I was going to say it's interesting. Do you think? I mean, obviously, you always draw a big crowd, Andrew. But do you think um, the, the reason why there was particularly um, for that session uh, uh, as well, do you think was because of that? Um, uh, you didn't want to say confusion, but that little that goes question marks that are hanging around. Well, I, th I think I think that the, <laughs> the 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 fact the fact is that I think during twenty twenty three there was a huge amount of airtime about the procurement bill, the procurement act, and that coming into force. And it was always the case that there was going to be, or it's still the case, that there's going to be a six-month implementation period between mm. when everything is finalised through the Procurement Act and it coming into force. So we are looking at October 2024, which is going to give people at least six months, but the Act obviously is now um, in its final form, and so you can start getting to grips with it. The provider selection regime, the regulations are only published on the 19th of October. Mm. Um, they were only um, finalised in December and they were coming in on the 1st of January. So there is a lot to take in. There's a lot that needs to be um, considered. And so I think um, it, it's a case that people are going to need to get their head around it. And I think going back to what I said a, 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 a few minutes ago, a lot of the push on what this meant for people really went to NHS England and to ICBs. There was <clears throat> less from the centre for trusts and foundation trusts because most of the things that are commissioned will be commissioned by NHS England and um, ICBs. Hmm. That's not to say that trusts and FTs don't have what they need to procure as well, hmm. um, but I think that where was where the aim was. So, so people need to understand what is in there and... I think what and I, I said I said this um, I said this um, at the at the session in, in in November in in Manchester. I think a lot of the mood music that's coming out about the provider selection regime doesn't really get to grips with what it is. Hmm. So you will see people saying, "Oh, well, the provider selection regime means competition is dead." Well, competition isn't dead there is still going to be the ability to run procurement under the provider selection regime. So I, th I think if you just give me, if I can just have a few minutes just to look at some of the key things. Yeah. I think the first thing to say about the, the PSR is you need to look at regulation four. So regulation four sets out the procurement principles. That is what you have to think about when you are running any process under the provider selection regime. They're similar to what we have now under the PCR for the uh, for Regulation 18, but the the main principles of the provider selection regime are you must act transparently, fairly, and proportionately when procuring healthcare services. So you 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 need to be aware of that. But then we get into the decision making processes, and I think this is where there is so much out there, and that people just have to work through on a case by case basis. So the, the official line is there are three decision-making processes, but um, there's, I think, five, because the first one, the direct award processes, are split into three, A, B, and C. Now, direct award process A and B have to be used in certain circumstances. So if certain circumstances apply, you have to use A or B. You don't get a choice. But the 
direct award process C, the most suitable provider process and the competitive process are processes that um, you have the option to use depending on where you are and what your service is and what you want to do as a relevant authority. And there is always the possibility, unless A and B apply, to run a competitive process if you want to. You yeah. can use the most suitable provider process if you can meet the requirements of the most suitable provider process. And then the direct award process C is the one that I think everyone's quite keen on, which is where you can effectively award a new contract to the same provider for the same service without having to run a procurement. But in order to meet and be able to use that test, you've got to check whether or not the service is changing, whether or not the provider is currently doing a good job and you think they're likely to do a good job going forward. That's not the exact wording of the regs, but that's the, the broad the broad position. And that's based on the key criteria. So you'd need to, to assess key criteria. So I think this what what we have here is a fundamentally different way of commissioning healthcare services. There is still the option of a procurement, and that remains, but there are lots of different approaches that will apply depending on your specific circumstances. And there are some people that really like flexibility. There's some people who love the idea that they've got a specific scenario and they can do something different rather than being pushed down the procurement. There are others who quite like the fact that you had to do a procurement and you knew what you were doing. And there will be different scenarios for different people, depending on the service, the geography, because it will all depend on what you think is your market for that particular service. But um, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking in a minute. I think the um, the, the key the key thing is that the provider selection regime was a regime that was asked for by the system yeah. because the system didn't want to be pushed down having to run a procurement when there was no need to because they knew yeah. who was going to win or whatever. This system has been brought in to try and give you that flexibility. That's not to say, though, that this is a free-for-all. There are steps you have to follow. There are procedures you have to follow. And there are um, audit-keeping, sorry, audit requirements there's transparency requirements and all of these things that come with the flexibility but it is what was asked for and hopefully that will be something that is useful for relevant authorities procuring relevant healthcare services well i mean an incredibly important point as you make out in particular for hsa members who as you as you just already said you know might have felt that okay this is kind of not so much for us um so, I mean, absolutely essentially that, you know, they've been able to come on and, and go through all that for us, Andrew. That's why we have you on regularly, not just yeah. for your sparkling wit and personality. <laughs> oh, I, I, I wouldn't say that. But um, so um, I, I, think, I, think, I think the other thing to talk about is how you get challenged in this. And sure. I, I think that, that is also something that um, is is going to be different under the provider selection regime than what we have now um, or what we're used to. I can't keep saying now because we're now in January. But yeah. um, what, what, what you have is different ways of challenging depending on which process you followed. Mm -hmm. So right, right. if you've followed a process under direct award process A or B, then the remedy for a, a, an, an aggrieved supplier is to bring a claim for judicial review. If you have, or if as a relevant authority, you use direct award process C, the most suitable provider or the competitive process, 
then there is a different route that aggrieved suppliers go down. And that is because in direct world process C, the most suitable provider and the competitive process routes, you need to run a standstill period. Mm. Now, the standstill period, um, you, you need to look at the latest guidance. It's uh, at least eight working days. But when you start calculating um, is the day after you've published the notice. It's a bit odd. It is, it, it's a bit longer than it perhaps was um, was thought it was going to be. But if during that standstill period, an aggrieved supplier who meets certain conditions puts in a representation to the relevant authority, the relevant authority is required to consider that representation, review whether or not they have complied with the PSR, and someone internally who was not involved in the original decision-making needs to review that, effectively mark their own homework and see whether or not the organisation complied with the, the PSR. And once that advice has been considered, the relevant authority then needs to make a new decision. And that decision is whether or not you carry on, you rewind or you abandon. And in order to do all that, you're going to have to change your decision making processes, your SFIs, uh, your schemes of delegation. You're going to have to think who you can keep as a clean person to be involved in that. And once you've done that and you've uh, decided what you're doing, are you going to proceed, rewind or abandon? You then need to tell the aggrieved supplier what you're going to do. And you need to leave at least five working days between telling them what you're going to do and then actually putting that into action. And during that five working day period, an aggrieved supplier, if they are still aggrieved, can make a representation to a new panel that has been formed. Um, and um, that panel will give advice to the relevant authority if certain criteria, etc., are met. And the panel will review to see whether or not they think the relevant authority has complied with the provider selection regime. And if they, uh, they'll then give advice to the relevant authority, the relevant authority will get that advice and it then needs to make a new decision as to what it's going to do again. And that decision will be whether or not to continue, rewind or abandon. And then there needs to be a five working day period between when that decision has been given and when you can actually implement that decision, during which there might be claims for judicial review, etc., so this, it's a complicated system of which when challenges can be brought, mm -hmm. the standstill period is assumed to be extended while this is all dealt with. Um, there are exceptions to that, but that needs to be looked at on a case-by-case um, -case basis. But you're going to need to give yourself plenty of time. We're going to have to see how the panel operates. We're going to have to wait for the acceptance and prioritisation criteria. I know that a chair of the panel has just been appointed um, they're still um, looking to recruit panelists. Um, there's still work being done on the panel, um, and that's going to um, that's going to follow. Um, but I think if you're you, you, I think what 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 we have here is a completely new regime, which is quite different in certain respects to the previous um, the previous rules that apply to the commissioning of healthcare services. Now, I, as, as people will know, I've been advising NHS England for the past two and a half years on the provider selection regime. So mm -hmm. I've kind of been living and breathing this for two and a half years yeah. and uh, kind of have thought through all of the, the issues. But it's going to be a case of sitting there and going, right, this is what we are needing to procure. Is it caught? What's our process? 
How might it happen? Where does that fit in with the timeline? So it's a completely different way of working. Okay, Andrew, that's been absolutely brilliant. Before, I'm just about to ask you if there's anything to add at this stage, but I mean, I th that feels like there's quite a lot for everyone to take in uh, yeah, there, I just to make sure that they're keeping their eye on the ball. And, and this does apply to you, and these are the bits that specifically apply to you and why it's important to know. What you need to be thinking about is just embed this into what you're doing. Make sure yeah. people know that this is different. Realise when it applies, when it doesn't get your documentation ready and really just work through it. And until you work through it, you're not really going to know how it applies to you. That's the same for absolutely all organizations and all suppliers. Yeah. And I think the only thing really to say to, 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 to wrap this up is that with any new regime, the risk of challenge is increased as people get used to it and people test boundaries and, 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 and how all that operates. And so I think, <clears throat> to start off with, care really needs to be taken to look at what's required, follow it, because I think otherwise it is likely you will get a representation and you may well get something going to the panel as well. And then we have the risk of judicial review on top. So if people, they, they, they listen to this uh, podcast, if they have any uh, additional questions, uh, what's the best way to do that? Should they do it through us and then we can... Uh, um, uh address them on the podcast should they email you directly uh, uh with the questions and then we can uh, still do a podcast where we go through any queries because it's um, it like an area where it might be useful yeah uh look, i'm i'm as 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 people will be well well aware i'm more than happy for people to email me give me a call to ask questions mm -hmm. um there's I, I can as help as as much as i can i think what 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 is clear is that everybody is in the same boat mm. so everyone is learning as they go along through this um i think it might it, it will be useful to do something in a few months as to the key issues that have cropped up yeah I, if 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 hsa are happy to provide a kind of a central repository for that for people mm -hmm. to then send in one go that that would work as well i think mm. ultimately this is a new regime we're all going to have to get used to it. It is exactly the same as looking ahead to October 24, what yeah. will happen when the Procurement Act comes in, that we are all going to be in the same boat, having to get used to it and working through it and working out what the key issues are, which is why we say that 2024 is the year of procurement change. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, but if people have queries, um, as I said, I've been working on this with NHS England for the past few years. Um, I've probably thought about most of the queries that have come up. Um, yeah. By all means, give me a shout. You've literally written a book and bought a T-shirt when it comes to... Well, I didn't up. write the book. I advised on the you book. Advised, you advised on the book. So I didn't I didn't write this. I just advised <laughs> on it. Um, and the T-shirt... You want to get... You want, haven't come out yet, Bruce. You want to get your degree of separation in here. <laughs> you advised and bought the T-shirt. Not the, no, not the red yet. Yeah. What would be on that T-shirt? I advised the PSI. <laughs> I advised on the PSI. I, I think I will keep. Um, I will uh, keep storm as to what might be on that T-shirt. <laughs> uh, Andrew, that is brilliant, and I think that's a really great idea. Um, we will. We get. You know, people ask questions around things, but we will. Anybody that's got any questions, either go to Andrew. You can uh, when we put this out, we will have it on. We always share it on. 
our LinkedIn and, and, and Twitter to say that the new podcast is out. If there's any particular questions, you can either go to Andrew directly or you can uh, just you know put them under comments on the social media and make sure that they're collated and we can all go through them. But it sounds to me like it would be quite a good idea to um, return to this if we feel there's um, issues that are coming up that you can address. Um, and as you said, they're already 2024. It's a huge, huge year for change in regards to procurement. So we're obviously going to be having many more chats like this throughout the re remainder of the year. Remainder of the year? What a terrible thing to say in January. Was it January 8th we're recording this? <laughs> the remainder of the year. The year. The whole year, with the exception yeah, of eight days. days Christmas. <laughs> yeah, real. Um, Angie, thank you very much for coming on again and going through that really important stuff there. Um, for anybody that thought that it, this might not entirely apply to them, it's not going to be something they need to, you know, really get into the minutiae of. You do. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks very much for doing the first one of the year. And we'll be back before you can even click your fingers, no doubt, with another update. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks all. And that concludes this episode. And I hope you can join me on the next episode of the Supplycast. Bye. Thank you.